Chapter Twenty of Aunt Jane's Nieces at Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Twenty: Pricking a Bubble. When Patsy arrived home, she called a council of war and related the conversation she had overheard in the dentist's office it isn't a very nice thing to do listening to a private conversation said the girl but when i discovered they were going to play such a trick on kenneth i couldn't help eavesdropping i think you are justified declared mr watson with a grave face for this matter is very serious indeed tomorrow is election day and if a toothache hadn't carried you to the dentist's office kenneth would surely have been defeated and we'd never have known how it happened declared uncle john but can the plot be foiled at this late date inquired louise anxiously i think so said mr watson dr squires was correct in saying that such a crime was a state's prison offence our discovery of it will send both erastus hopkins and dr squires to prison probably mr marshall the manager of the mill will go with them oh i don't like that exclaimed patsy nor do i added kenneth it would be a sad beginning to my political career to send three such men to prison i'd like to avoid it if i can perhaps it may be quietly arranged said the lawyer if they knew you had discovered the false registration of these men they would never dare vote for them how would it be to send mr burke the detective over to the mill to talk with mr marshall suggested beth that is an excellent plan and would be very effective in determining the manager to abandon the plot i'll go and see hopkins myself announced uncle john i know how to manage men of his sort very good approved the lawyer and i'll see squires if you do said patsy just ask him to sign a paper saying that lucy rogers was falsely accused of stealing the ring and that his mother found it in a vase where she had forgotten she put it i'll do that replied mr watson and i'll get the sixty dollars back that tom gates paid him i'll make it a condition of our agreeing not to prosecute the man it looks as if we're going to win the election said uncle john in a pleased voice if hopkins was driven to such methods as stuffing ballot boxes he must know very well he's defeated he's acknowledged it to dr squires said patsy gaily we have eighteen sure majority and perhaps more it's likely to be more predicted uncle john i suppose congratulations are in order ken said louise not yet cousin he replied wait until tomorrow night and then don't congratulate me but the campaign managers three of the nicest and cleverest girls in existence you're right my boy declared uncle john if you pull through and take your seat in the legislature you owe it all to these girls that is true smiled the lawyer kenneth was badly beaten when you arrived of course our girls were very happy at receiving this praise but more pleased to realize they had actually been of service to their boyfriend they believed that kenneth would prove a good representative and carried out his promises to the voters and if he did that his political career was assured mr burke appeared in the afternoon with a telegram from dr hoyt the specialist saying that he would be at elmwood on the noon train wednesday his engagements prevented him from coming any sooner and in the meantime mr burke advised keeping a close watch on eliza parsons to see that she did not run away i'll attend to that said louise quickly eliza and i are friends and i'll take care of her aren't you going to the polls asked patsy no dear why should i go our work is done now isn't it well i'm going to the polls and work for every vote declared patsy 
i shan't be happy unless kenneth gets more than eighteen majority when the hopkins plot was explained to mr burke the detective readily agreed to go to fairview and see mr marshall as no time was to be lost he was sent over in an automobile and arrived at the mill just before the hour for closing the next day being election day the mill was to be closed and the manager was very busy in his office when mr burke requested to see him you will have to come around wednesday said marshall fussily i can't attend to you now i'm sorry to disturb you sir replied the detective but my business won't wait until wednesday what is it about sir about the election then i won't be bothered the election doesn't interest me said mr marshall turning away very well i'll call wednesday sir at the jail marshall gave him a quick look who are you sir he asked john burke a detective the manager hesitated a moment come in mr burke he said i represent the forbes interest said the detective seating himself in the private office and it has come to our notice that dr squires has permitted sixty-six fraudulent registrations to be entered on the books these sixty-six men are supposed to have been imported by you and are now working at this mill this is all nonsense protested the manager growing pale forty men are sleeping in a nearby barn and twenty-six in the stock-room of the mill added mr burke that isn't criminal sir no indeed the criminal act is their false registration so far said the detective blandly but mark you sir if an attempt is made to vote those men to-morrow i shall arrest you as well as mr hopkins and dr squires this is preposterous sir blustered the manager there will be no attempt made to vote them i am quite sure of it was the reply you may thank mr forbes for warning you in time he wished to save you and so sent me here oh he did mr marshall was evidently surprised may i ask how you discovered all this he added i am not at liberty to give you the details but i may say that exposure of the plot occurred through mr hopkins's own carelessness i've seen lots of crooked politicians mr marshall but this man is too reckless and foolish ever to be a success he deserves to be defeated and he will be the manager was thoughtful this is all news to me he declared i needed these extra men to help me fill a contract on time and so employed them i had no idea hopkins and squires would try to vote them to-morrow this was a palpable falsehood but mr burke accepted the lame excuse without question you are a valuable man in this community mr marshall and mr forbes seemed to think the hopkins people were trying to get you into trouble of course it would have caused trouble had these men voted of course mr burke i'm much obliged to mr forbes for warning me you'll find the next representative a very agreeable man to get along with mr marshall good day sir good day mr burke when the detective had gone mr marshall sat in a brown study for a few moments then he summoned his superintendent and said please ask the men to assemble in the yard before they go home i want to have a word with them the request came just in time for the men were already beginning to stream out of the mill they waited good-naturedly however grouping themselves in the big yard then marshall mounted a lumber pile and addressed them briefly boys he said i told you all a week or so ago i'd like you to vote for hopkins for representative as i believed his election would result in more work for the mill and better wages for the employees but i've been watching matters pretty closely and i've changed my mind forbes is a coming man 
and he'll do more for us than hopkins could so every man who is entitled to vote will please me best by voting for kenneth forbes there was a cheer at this and when it subsided the manager continued of course none of the new men who are not properly registered have a right to vote at this election and i command them to keep away from the polls anyone who attempts to vote illegally will be promptly arrested this caused more cheering for the workmen had suspected that the new hands would be voted illegally and they were relieved to find that it was a square deal all round as one of them remarked with satisfaction meanwhile uncle john was having a barrel of fun with mr hopkins the little millionaire although a man of simple and unobtrusive ways was a shrewd judge of human nature moreover he had acquired a fund of experience in dealing with all sorts of people and was delighted to meet mr hopkins under the present circumstances so he drove over to elmwood and was fortunate to find mr hopkins in his office at home where he was busily engaged instructing his workers in their duties at the polls at sight of mr merrick whom he knew by this time to be a friend of kenneth forbes staying at elmhurst the politician scented some pending difficulty or at least an argument and was sufficiently interested to dismiss his men without delay ah this is mr merrick i believe began mr hopkins suavely what can i do for you sir considerable if you're disposed answered the other for one thing i'd like to hire eliza parsons away from you eliza parsons gasped the representative yes your spy election's about over and you won't need her any longer will you sir do you mean to insult me asked the honorable erastus indignantly by no means i thought you were through with the girl said uncle john with a chuckle mr hopkins was distinctly relieved with a full recollection of his wicked schemes in his mind he had feared some more important attack than this so he assumed a virtuous look and replied sir you wrong me eliza parsons was no spy of mine i was merely trying to encourage her to a higher spiritual life she is rather flighty and irresponsible sir and i was sorry for the poor girl that is all if she has been telling tales they are untrue i have found her i regret to say inclined at times to be uh inventive perhaps so remarked uncle john carelessly you're said to be a good man mr hopkins a little too honest and straightforward for a politician but that's an excusable fault i hope i deserve my reputation mr merrick said erastus straightening up at this praise i do indeed try to live an upright life i guess so mr hopkins i guess so you wouldn't try for instance to encourage false registration sir anything wrong mr hopkins asked uncle john innocently erastus looked at his visitor tremblingly although he tried to control his nerves of course mr merrick couldn't mean anything by this chance shot so he must not be thrown off the scent you have a disagreeable way of making remarks sir and i have no time to listen to foolish speeches to-morrow is election day and i've a good many details yet to arrange no chance of your getting in jail is there what do you mean by that i only thought that if you'd done anything liable to make trouble you'd have to arrange your affairs for a long spell in jail politicians sometimes make mistakes but you're such an honest man mr hopkins you couldn't possibly go crooked mr hopkins felt shaky again and looked at his tormentor earnestly trying to discern whether there was any real knowledge beneath this innuendo 
but uncle john met his gaze with a cheerful smile and continued i guess you've got a hard fight ahead of you my young friend forbes is trying to get elected himself and you can't both win oh yes forbes said erastus trying to regain his accustomed ease a worthy young man sir but i'm afraid his chances are slim are they now asked uncle john pretending a mild interest pretty thin mr merrick our majority is too great to overcome what do you think your majority will be about sixty-six mr hopkins gave a start and turned red about sixty-six he repeated vacantly trying to decide if this was another chance shot yes about sixty-six mill hands the cat was out of the bag now hopkins realized that merrick had some knowledge or at least suspicion of this plot he tried to think what to do and it occurred to him that if his visitor positively knew anything he would not act in this absurd manner but come straight to the point so he ignored the speech merely saying anything else sir no replied uncle john i'll go home i guess folks will be expecting me sorry forbes hasn't got that sixty-six mill hands but doc squires probably registered em all right and they'll probably vote for hopkins wait a moment sir cried erastus as uncle john was turning away that speech demands an explanation and i mean to have it oh you do well i don't object you may not know it but squires has registered sixty-six non-voters and i want to know whether you're prepared to give half of them to forbes or mean to keep them all for yourself if squires has made false registrations he must stand the consequences i want you to understand sir that i do not countenance any underhand dealing then it's all off you won't vote the mill hands not a man shall vote who is not properly registered i'm glad to hear it mr hopkins perhaps you can get that twenty-five hundred back i don't think squires has cashed the check yet the honorable erastus gave a roar like a wild bull but uncle john had walked quietly out and climbed into his buggy he looked back and seeing mr hopkins scowling face at the window returned a pleasant smile as he drove away mr watson had just finished his interview with the dentist when uncle john picked him up at the corner the lawyer had accomplished more than the other two for he had secured a paper exonerating lucy rogers and another incriminating the honorable erastus hopkins as well as the sixty dollars paid by tom gates the dentist was thoroughly frightened but determined now that the conspiracy was defeated that the man who had led him to the crime should not escape in case he was himself arrested so he made a plain statement of the whole matter and signed it and mr watson assured squire's immunity from arrest pending good behavior the man had already cashed hopkins check and he knew the representative could not get the money away from him so after all the dentist lost nothing but the exposure it was a jolly party that assembled at the dinner-table in elmhurst that evening you see explained uncle john the thing looked as big as a balloon to us at first but it was only a bubble after all as soon as we pricked it it disappeared end of chapter twenty recording by linda fredericks modesto california december two thousand eleven